All right, Matt Biamonte, BYU Insider, KSLSports.com, also Cougar Sports Saturday host. You can hear he and Mitch Harper tomorrow on KSL News Radio talking about all things Cougs. Matt, welcome to the program, man. Who buys Chick-fil-A and then puts it in the fridge? Oh. I, I got to eat that piping hot. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I really want to I don't know, know what a greater Jake. crime would be is for somebody to buy their fast food, come to work and put it in the fridge for later, and not eat it yeah. or have or be the person that actually stole it out of the fridge and ate it. The all-star They're both crimes. We have we have a list of of like Hall of Fame notes that have been left on the, on the fridges. My favorite was a note that was left on the microwave that said Please do not microwave fish anymore in the microwave. Oh. <laughs> I was like, you have to tell people not to microwave fish. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, Matt, BYU on Tuesday, a game that they should have run away with, and they kept almost running away with it. Will you explain what happened in, that, in the last 90 seconds of that game so people understand how weird of a deal it was to see UCF continue to stay in that game and only lose by two points to BYU? I had a BYU fan come up to me today, actually, asking that question. It was like, that was so BYU to just let that lead slip away. And I, I don't feel like that was one of those situations where it comes with BYU the- went into a lull. I, I really think it was just UCF was making ridiculous shots. And, yeah, there were there were some turnovers in there. There were some easy baskets that UCF benefited from. But down the stretch, it was simply UCF was throwing shots up and they were going in. And to be honest with you, I was really encouraged with the win because with a team like UCF, who had all the momentum, they were playing great basketball down the stretch. You miss a couple of free throws, or you turn it over late in the game, you lose that game. And for them to take care of the ball in the final two minutes, to go to the free throw line, to hit all your free throws, that's what they had to do to, to hold off a UCF team that was playing great basketball down the stretch and I I just thought it was a really impressive win UCF's a good basketball team and their league record's not great I know they're four and seven but they're not as you can't compare them with Oklahoma State Oklahoma State would be as next they're not very good UCF I think is a good basketball team and that was a good win for BYU never apologize for a win I don't care how it happened or what happened during the win you don't apologize for it and BYU gets one that uh, that helps them. Um, this is this Saturday game though is weird. I'm looking at the standings and BYU is only two games back of first place. The first place team's Iowa State, a team they beat and beat handily. This league is crazy and it continues to be crazy. But BYU can actually take a hit in their net ranking by even playing Saturday, which stinks. But a chance to get a win, a road win against Oklahoma State. Uh, how do you feel about BYU's chances going into Oklahoma State? I'm a little worried just because I, I think Oklahoma State is is starting to play a little bit better basketball. I know they're on a two-game losing streak. The two, their only two conference wins have come at home. It's at a little unusual time, but I think BYU should win this one comfortably. It's nice that they had a few days off after UCF to rest up because they've been battling injuries and illness all season long. So to get that Tuesday Saturday break is big for them. It, it, it's an important game in the sense that yeah, you're right. It's not going to help the net. This is not a good basketball team. They have a losing record. But BYU still hasn't won enough games to guarantee an NCAA tournament. I think Mm -hmm. they need two more. They can get to eight conference wins. They're getting to the tournament. Who knows what the seed line will be, but they'll get there. This is one of those games. And they play Oklahoma State twice. If you can beat them two more times, then you're going to the tournament. So from that perspective, I think it's a big game because there's not a lot of gimmies in this league. This might be the only gimme. Oklahoma State, you got to take advantage of that. 
Yeah, I mean, look, uh, if you steal road wins the rest of the way, like they come at a massive premium. Again, like like you guys are saying, the the, the net might be. It, it to me, once you get to the end of this thing, if you can be, I mean, what's five hundred nine and nine? Is that what the five hundred mark yep, would be? Yeah, so eighteen, 18 conference right? Games. So they host Baylor still. They go to Kansas State, who they beat at their play at uh, you know at the Marriott Center. I'm sure there that's going to be absolutely difficult. Then you go to Kansas, who I think we went over uh, how impossible it is to not just beat. I mean, beating Kansas is hard enough, but people have done it this year. Beating them on their home floor, Bill Self that's just different. doesn't. It just doesn't happen. Uh, hosting TCU, you got to get. So it's like you got to get this one. You got to steal one or two more in there as well because what do they have six wins in conference so beat oklahoma state maybe steal one from baylor uh and then tcu because the other ones are going to be absolutely difficult kansas state kansas and iowa state at uh at their places i mean iowa state is now a top 10 team that's where we're at here yeah yeah iowa state's tough i i don't think kansas state is that hard i wasn't that impressed with kansas state when they were here I think that's a winnable game, but let's say you get K-State, those two Oklahoma State games, and then you get you steal one of what you mentioned, a TCU, a Baylor, a Kansas, and Iowa State. Then you're looking at 10, plus you got the tournament, maybe you get two more there, like 12 conference wins, and you probably are a five seed, and we'll see if the committee throws you a bone and gets you into Salt Lake City, but that is very doable, and it's kind of crazy that we're even having this conversation because I don't think anyone thought this was going to happen but this BYU team in conference play has proven they're a good basketball team. And I think they're they're in my – I know they don't have enough wins yet, guys, to be de- deemed an NCAA tournament team. I think they're getting to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I think 11 and uh, – so, le- no, it would be like 10 and 8 would be very possible. If you look at the home games, to, yeah. if they sweep Oklahoma State, take care of business at home, that means beating Baylor, which won't be easy – Beating Kansas State on the road, even if you if you sneak that in, I think eleven and eight's doable. And can you eleven is oh, sorry ten and eight? Yeah. Imagine before the season if I told you BYU would be ten and eight. A winning play. record in conference, not even close. Think about that. Like you were, like we were. You could have made a lot of money if right. you if you right. if you would truly believe that. What did we say? We were like, yeah, I mean, maybe five and five and twelve. Your first go around, maybe six and eleven in your first go, or six and ten or whatever it would have been in your first go around. Or six and thirteen. I don't you know. Got to keep that this in to. perspective. Yeah. You know, we're taught. We're now you're in the middle of it, and BYU's had opportunities they haven't. But we, all of us have to have, keep this in perspective. This is a team that was supposed to win between five and ten games this year, and to be in this position oh, is just phenomenal. Yeah. All right, uh, Matt. Let's uh, shift things over to over to the football side of things. Keaton Slovis, Kingsley Sumatai, and Ryan Rico, all invited to the combine. I'll uh, look. I. I was going to ask you about the bench press and the 40 time of Ryan Rico, but I'll move past that. We don't have time. So what are we, what are we talking about? Like Keaton Slovis getting an invite to the combine. I mean, I'm, I'm not shocked, I guess, but kind of, I don't know. Explain to me, this is a guy who lost his starting job in the last two seasons at BYU. I mean, at uh, BYU and Pitt were, way less than good and so tell me what his chances are and why scouts do still think that he may uh, turn out to be a pro prospect at some point 
the NFL draft. I, I don't know if there's anything else to say, but I, I, here's the thing. I think when you bust onto the scene like Slovis did at USC and you play for a program like USC, that reputation will always follow you. And I think that is still true amongst NFL scouts is that the Keaton Slovis who is slinging it for the Trojans, that's somewhere there. And you can you can spin the narrative positive or negative was all the constant change and turmoil of coordinators could that have been overcome and or or is that who he is like i, I don't i don't think we fully know to be honest with you because it was pretty clear at BYU that Aaron Roderick was unable to adapt the offense to his skills and he didn't have the skills to run Aaron Roderick's offense and at Pitt his offensive coordinator leaves in the middle of the offseason and his receiver transfers to USC. Like that had an impact too. His coach didn't believe in him either. So it's it's hard to say. And I guess that's a long way of saying I still think NFL scouts believe there might be something there. Let's check it out. I think he'll I don't know if he'll get drafted. I think he'll find his his way onto a camp and and we'll kind of see what happens if he chooses the right spot. But there's no doubt there's talent there. We saw it at times at BYU where he was making tremendous throws and helping this team to wins and performing in pressure situations that Arkansas win was a nice win. And he made some great throws under pressure in that game to help BYU upset an sec team. Albeit that team wasn't very good, but still they beat an sec team with Slovis. So I'm with you. It was kind of a surprise, but I just think if you get a certain sig- a stigma, positive or negative that can carry with you. And in this particular instance, I think he still has a positive stigma from what he did at USC and, and that got him an invite to the combine. What is at stake for Kingsley Suamataia at the combine? Oh man. Uh, millions of dollars being a first round draft pick. If he puts up good numbers, he doesn't have to blow anyone away, but if he displays his athleticism that put him on Bruce Feldman's freaks list before the season, then he's going to be a first round draft pick, probably mid to late first round, but there's teams at the end of the draft that or good football teams that need linemen. Like we just, I think two teams in the Super Bowl could use a Kingsley Suamati. San Francisco certainly could. So if he puts up solid number, he doesn't need to blow anyone away, but if he puts up good numbers that displays his athleticism, he's got the football film and a first round, he's got first round buzz. I think if he can confirm that, then he's going to be in the first round. Now, if he goes in and blows it, puts up a bad bench press and doesn't run well and doesn't look that athletic, then he could have cost himself a couple rounds and a lot of million dollars. So there's, there's a lot on the line for Kingsley. Matt, one thing I want to know is uh, who is the guy who doesn't, who is not invited to the combine who will have an NFL career? Wow. That is a good question. And it's a, uh, I mean, history would say there's a couple people that in, in this state and in, in particular BYU that go on and do something that did not get drafted in the NFL. I, I think the one guy to me that keeps coming back to mind is Eddie Heckard. I just feel like this dude, when he was at Weber state was getting NFL buzz, but there was always this, well, it's the FCS level. Can he, can he do it on the biggest stage? He was one of BYU's best defenders, if not their best defender last year. I thought he performed very well for most of the season, proved that he could cover really athletic and talented guys. I would not be shocked if he finds his way onto a 53-man roster because his skill set is one that you need in football right now. Football is 
more of a pass game than a run game, and you need cover corners. I mean, geez, could could the Niners have used someone like him in the Super Bowl to to cover some people in that fourth quarter? It felt like guys were running free left and right. So he has a, a good skill at cover, and he has a great skill at making plays via interceptions, forcing fumbles. He's done that all throughout his career. I think Eddie Hecker is the easy choice for someone that probably won't get drafted. I know that he was bummed not to go to the combine, but there's still a tremendous opportunity for him to make his way into the league. Matt Biamonte, Cougar Sports Saturday. Do you guys even have a show tomorrow? My goodness, isn't it tip off at like noon tomorrow? We don't. We're free, baby. President's Day weekend (laughs) gift to you, bro. There you go. Seriously. Uh, Well, We'll you need it. it. You deserve it. A little break uh, for the guys on Cougar Sports Saturday. Maybe not to have to. Well, you'll probably still cover the game, but I'm just saying you don't have to do your show. That's the whole point. All right. Matt Biamonte, thanks for joining us as usual, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. There you go.